everybody, this is Kevin Wallace, Double CCA, Cisco Press author, and I would like to welcome you to the 58th episode of The Broadcast Storm. Here in episode number 58, we're going to be talking about my network programmability framework. You might remember if you follow my blog, on the very first day of 2017, I put out a blog post that was entitled, It's Time to Pivot. And in that blog post, I was talking about how I was seeing this major shift in the industry right now, in our industry, where network programmability is not becoming something optional that we can know. It's going to be something that's mandatory for us to know going forward. And I made this big promise at the beginning of 2017 that that I was going to put a big focus on that this year. And for me, one of the best ways I learned something is to prepare myself to teach it. So I thought, what I'm going to do is, while I'm learning network programmability and SDN, software-defined networking, I'm going to create a course around that. And I'm going to, as I always try to do, simplify what I'm learning and make that course available to you guys. And I'm really excited to report that after several months of working on that project, I finally finished the video course. And it's called The Fundamentals of Network Programmability. And in creating that course and in learning more about network programmability, the big challenge I had was that there were so many moving parts. As I started to try to pull everything together and make sense of this big picture, it was confusing. There was just so much going on. We had JSON and XML formatting. We had gang data modeling. We had different types of controllers. We had ways of telnetting or secure shelling directly into devices. It was confusing. But after I got deeper into it and I pulled back and I took a look at the big picture, I thought, I'm starting to see some commonalities here. I'm starting to see some areas where these different technologies overlap and complement one another. And if you're like me, you're a visual learner. I like to see a graphic of what I'm trying to learn. So after several months of study and spending countless hours on the DevNet sandbox going through some exercises, I came up with something that I'm calling my Network Programmability Framework. And obviously this is an audio podcast and I'm trying to describe something that's visual. So what I've done here in the show notes is I've included a link to a PDF where you can go out and you can download a graphic of what we're talking about here, the Network Programmability Framework. So if you're in a position to do so, you might want to pause the podcast right now, go to that link in the show notes, print out the PDF, and then you can reference that as I go through and describe it. If you're driving or something right now, no worries. I'll try to describe it the best I can with audio, and then you can go back and reference the diagram later. But from a big picture perspective, when it comes to network programmability, I noticed that in the Cisco world anyway, there were three main categories. Two of those categories reflected Cisco's SDN controllers, the APIC and the APIC-EM. And the other category was when we can write a program that doesn't talk to a controller, it talks directly to a network device like a router or switch and it can tell that into or it can secure shell into that device. So in this network programmability framework, we've got these three circles, one for the APIC-EM controller, one for the APIC controller, and one for connecting directly into a device. And there's some overlap going on. If you think of this as a Venn diagram, which is how I tried to design this, all three of those circles overlap in one area, and that is network device config. We've got the same goal. We're trying to configure network devices. We're trying to do it quickly. We're trying to do it at scale. And all of these different solutions can do that. There's an overlap in the circles representing the controllers showing us that we can use a graphical user interface, a GUI, to administer those controllers, or we could use Python programming. So there's an overlap between the direct-to-device circle and the controller circles saying that, yeah, we can use Python programming, or you could use some other type of programming, but Python is the most popular for this application. But we can use some sort of programming language to send messages to a controller or directly to a device to do our configuration. 
we can send commands oftentimes in JSON format. So if you're not looking at this visually right now, just picture three circles and the common point of all the circles where they all overlap is network device config. And we're making the point that we've got options to do GUI configuration on the controllers and we've got the ability to do programming on the controllers as well as connecting direct to a device with a program. Now let's zoom in for a moment on this direct to device solution. We've got options for how we connect into a device with a program. We could do it via Telnet or it would be preferable for security reasons to use Secure Shell. So what we can do with our Python program is to enhance the abilities of Python by adding the Telnet lib module to Python. That's going to give Python the ability to Telnet in to a device, like a router or a switch. And then we can send messages back and forth. We can wait for specific responses from the router or the switch. That's something we can use for Telnet. There's a couple of options for Secure Shell. Those are Paramico and NetMico. But writing programs that use a secure shell to go into a Cisco router or a Cisco switch, that's assuming that we know the appropriate configuration commands once we get telneted and connected into those devices. It assumes that we know the commands that we need to type in from there, like configure terminal, interface gigabit 1 slash 0, IP address, and, and so on. But sometimes we're in a mixed vendor environment. And in a mixed vendor environment, maybe we want to assign an IP address to a specific interface, but maybe it's a Cisco router, maybe it's a Juniper router, the configuration could differ a bit. But what a lot of vendors have done is created Yang data models. This is a way of representing data. And this Yang data model can say, well, here's the interface identifier. It's the first gigabit Ethernet interface, for example. And then we can say, here are the parameters of that interface. Here's the speed. Here's the duplex. Here's the IP version 4 address. Here's the IP version 6 address. We can represent this information in a Yang data model. And what we can do as administrators is we can say, here's what I want to be configured on the first interface, on the next interface on this device. Doesn't matter if it's Cisco, doesn't matter if it's Juniper. I just encode things using a Yang data model, and I'm going to use NetConf to do the configuration on that device. You see, the Yang data model is encoded in XML format, and NetConf acts as sort of a transport mechanism. It sends in XML format the data contained in the Yang data model, and when the device gets it, it says, oh yeah, I've got a data model that tells me what all this means, and it does the appropriate configuration itself without us having to know all the vendor-specific commands. Those are some things to think about when we're talking about network programmability when we're connecting directly to a device. But another very popular option for network programmability is connecting to a controller and then having that controller reach out and do the configuration of different devices in our network. That can really speed things up for us. And the APIC-EM controller is used to do configuration with more traditional network devices like our Cisco IOS routers and switches. Those devices like an ISR2 is an example, let's say a 2911 Cisco router. They don't really speak an SDN protocol like OpFlex or OpenFlow or something like that. So we need to communicate with them using traditional protocols, such as Telnet, Secure Shell, or even SNMP. And that's what the APIC-EM controller can do. It can reach out and talk to those traditional devices. I don't want to say legacy because we still have a lot of very powerful devices that fall into that category. But we can talk to those traditional Cisco devices via those traditional interfaces, Telnet, Secure Shell, SNMP. And then finally, the APIC controller, we typically find it in a data center. And it's going to be speaking to data center devices, such as maybe a Cisco Nexus 7000 series. And a lot of these devices do speak some sort of an SDN protocol. Maybe it's OpenFlow, maybe it's OpFlex. 
But what we can do is communicate to those devices using an SDN protocol to do the configuration. And earlier I mentioned that we could write a Python program to send out instructions. Well, one of the challenges we have is it can be a lot of work to write a Python program. But one of the really cool things about the APIC is we can configure whatever it is that we want to configure using the GUI interface. And then we can take that configuration that we just applied and we can extract it in this JSON format. And then we can use a software tool like ARIA, spelled A-R-Y-A. We can use ARIA to take that JSON formatted code and convert it into a Python program. Now we have to go in and make a few modifications, but it does the heavy lifting for us. It's pretty amazing. We can also get information about different APIs on our system using a utility called Visor that's built into the APIC. Cisco also gives us an ACI toolkit that we can download, and it has a plethora of example Python scripts to do lots and lots of things on our routers and switches. It gives us a great starting point for many of our projects. We can take some of those samples as base code and then go in and modify things to meet our particular needs. So if you print out this graphic that I'm calling the Network Programmability Framework, you'll be able to see these different areas that we've talked about here in this podcast episode, and hopefully it's going to make more sense of the big picture. It's not like we have all of these silos of network programmability technologies. There's a lot of overlap going on here. Now, of course, each primary technology like the APIC-EM or the APIC, they have their own special feature sets and ways of doing things, but there's a lot of overlap going on here. And I think by printing this out and referencing this diagram, if you're just now learning network programmability, it can really speed up your learning curve. And to go along with this framework, please remember that I just came out with my Fundamentals of Network Programmability video training course. And if you'd like to check that out, here's a link you can visit, and I'll put this in the show notes as well. But you can go to kwtrain.com slash FNP video, FNP for Fundamentals of Network Programmability, and then the word video. So it's kwtrain.com slash FNP video. Or if you're a bit unsure right now as to whether or not you want to make that leap and start learning network programmability, I've got another offer for you where you can get a series of free videos on SDN. To sign up for those free videos, which will talk more about this network programmability framework, you can go to kwtrain.com SDN. That's kwtrain.com SDN. And I'll have a link in the show notes for that as well. But whatever your next step, whether you go directly for the course or if you take a look at the free videos, please remember that this is an area that you need to be putting some serious focus in for your career. And on that note, I want to give you a big thank you for joining me for this episode of The Broadcast Storm. 